0: Welcome to It Starts With A Click. I'm Olivia Bossett, fashion photographer and educator, and this is a podcast for fashion photographers looking to build their business on their own terms. Hello everyone, how are you? I am so excited to be here with you with this episode with Zoe Noble. Zoe is such an inspiring photographer and she just drops knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb for this episode, so I know you're going to really, really get a lot of value from it. Zoe is a beauty and product photographer based in Berlin and she has so much input about how to improve your beauty photography, how to improve your product photography, how she went about learning it all herself, um, how she moved to Berlin. There is so much in this episode that I really can't wait for you to listen to and dig into. Before we get into the episode though I want to remind you that this is the last episode of season two which is a bit bittersweet I've really enjoyed recording this season um, but I do need to take a little bit of break for my own sanity so this is the last episode for a few f- couple of weeks at least and it's the last chance you have to leave a review and be entered into my free coaching 30 minute coaching um, give giveaway so if you haven't already left a review on the Apple Podcasts app Make sure you do that to be entered into a chance to win um, a 30-minute coaching session with me for free, all about your fashion photography career. We'll chat for half an hour about anything you want, whether it's your website, your portfolio, how to pitch to magazines, how to pitch to brands, how to get yourself out there, how to get started with fashion, whatever it may be, this is your chance to do that. I will be drawing a name at random next Wednesday the 13th of May, so if you're listening in the future that was the deadline, 13th of May 2020, Um, and I will let that person know via Instagram whether they've won or not. So yeah, thank you so much for leaving a review, that really really helps me boost myself in the charts and means that other fashion photographers like yourself can discover the podcast easily through the search terms. Um, I may be back with a couple of bonus episodes here and there, I do have some ideas for episodes, solo shows in particular that I would like to cover, but um, like I said I just need to take a bit of a break for me because this does take a lot of time and energy on my behalf, so I like to take little breaks so that I can come back and deliver you even better content in the future. In the meantime, if you still want to get content from me, because I'm always providing help and content for fashion photographers, make sure you're signed up to my newsletter, which goes out every Saturday, every Saturday morning. It's every week, no without fail, I try and get something out for you. And there's always a sort of blog post in there about some kind of topic to do with the fashion industry. Last week's one was side hustle ideas for fashion photographers which is especially helpful during the coronavirus pandemic that we're currently finding ourselves in. This is also where I share announcements about courses, about any offers I've got going, about podcast episodes, about podcasts I've been a guest on, about things I've learned, news, everything. So make sure you sign up to that. You can also join my free Facebook group, which is Fashion Photography with Olivia Bossert. That's on Facebook. It's private. It's a small group of fashion photographers from all around the world, and people come in and ask questions, and I help, but other people help as well. It's a really lovely community of fashion photographers, all willing to help one another out. So if you feel like you need a bit of a community, please come and join us there. Just, just search for us on Facebook, and it will pop up, Fashion Photography with Olivia Bossert. Okay, I'm going to leave it there, and I'm going to let you listen to the episode with Zoe. Hi, Zoe! Hey.
1: Hey how are you doing? I'm good how are you?
0: Yes I am hanging on in there. <laughs> I know so just to give some context for anyone who doesn't know or may be listening in the future we are recording this during the coronavirus pandemic so everyone's a little bit in a weird situation. Very weird. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for anyone who doesn't know you please can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you got started with photography? Sure,
1: um, so I am I'm an English uh, beauty and still life photographer um, and I had quite a random uh, route towards photography. I, um, originally I began my career in web design and um, I worked in London for about six years uh, working for fashion companies in that world and um, Went on holiday to Berlin and uh, fell in love with the place. And uh, I moved to Berlin with my husband about 10 years ago. Mm. And I bought a camera for this uh, trip to Berlin <laughs> to, <laughs> to document my new life uh, and show friends and family back home what was going on. And quickly realized photography was actually where my heart was. Mm. And, um, and yeah, and, you know, that was probably uh, 20. I moved into professional photography in probably six seven years ago so um yeah it's been a long long crazy process to get to where I am today um but uh yeah never a dull moment
0: (laughs) no I don't think anyone's ever dull when they're a photographer (laughs) there's always just so much going on so Mm -hmm. what exactly made you move to Berlin specifically what did you love about it so
1: when I compared it to London Berlin had I mean it's it's a slightly quieter, a slower pace, but it still has that creative energy. That mm-hmm. you know, I, obviously, London is a hub for artists and uh, design and, and all of that. But when I when I came to to Berlin, it still felt like it. It felt like it was kind of at this um, interesting place. It was kind of growing, and obviously, after the wall fell, um, mm-hmm. you know, it 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 began as a kind of a new city, and mm-hmm. it was. It was kind of this interesting place to be, you know, creatives, artists could all live here um, with very cheap rents so they could concentrate on their mm-hmm. art and their craft. And um, they were all, you know, starting their own thing. It wasn't really uh uh, you know, it hadn't really been um, s- the soul hadn't really been sold. It was st- mm-hmm. it was still all raw, which I really loved. Um, and both my husband and I, we were doing jobs that we didn't really like in London. I mean, I I actually uh, started uh, my my education was uh, in fashion marketing, so I I it specialized in design in my last year and somehow managed to get a job more in graphic design and web design so really I I started that career in design not really ever thinking I was going to be a designer I actually thought Mm. I would be a fashion buyer or something so after six years in London kind of doing a job that I could do but my heart wasn't in it Um, and my husband didn't really love his job when we came to Berlin we were like well let's try it. If, it if we move here and it doesn't work we'll mm. just go back to London um, and you know that was 10 years ago and it was the best thing we ever did.
0: Oh I love that so much like that's really exciting to me and I so I went to Berlin when I was in my very first year at uni and this was in 2010 so ten years ago and I really liked it as well. I'd never been to Germany, but I grew up in Switzerland, so it felt quite similar to my upbringing in a way. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's yeah. interesting. So so that was the year 2010. Well, we came 2010 November when there was That was abusive. when I was there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. What are the chances of that? It's um, so funny. So you remember how cold it was. Yeah, it was. It was,
0: I mean, you know, funny story. I actually got stuck in Berlin on my own because I was there with um, a uni trip and everyone was flying back to the UK and I was flying back to Geneva from Berlin because it made more sense than coming back to Cornwall. And um, I, my flight got canceled because of that blizzard. And I was going to be on my own in Berlin. I was 18. So I was quite young and I was really scared. So my dad had to like really last minute book me a flight from a different airport to Geneva. And then I had to take a train from Zurich. It was this crazy story, (laughs) but I'll never forget it. And I'll never forget Berlin for, and it was snowing. It was, so beautiful yeah.
1: mm-hmm. it was I mean when we first arrived I think what you don't realize um how cold the winters are in Germany and I mean you know we came over with our, our cotton top shot coats and mm. uh, you know Germans are wearing these padded fleece things and I just we both were like what have we done this is this is crazy we didn't know anyone we didn't speak German yeah. we had no no work lined up other than the freelance gigs we had back in London. Um, and, and we brought over two cats. So we had two cats, two suitcases. Um, and when I think about it now, I'm like, wow, you, you were desperate for a change mm-hmm. <laughs> because it seems crazy. But, you know, sometimes you just need to do that with your life. And we were at that point where we had nothing to lose, really. And, you know,
0: we were excited for a new challenge. Oh, that's, that's such an inspiring story. So thank you for sharing with that with everyone. Um, So you shoot beauty and still life like product photography, which one would you say is your favorite and why?
1: So it's, it's difficult because I mean, both feed my soul in different ways with, with beauty. I mean, I've always loved makeup. Um, you know, I don't wear a lot, but I, I always buy makeup. I love the Mm -hmm. packaging and the colors. So for me, when I, I mean, you know, I, I got into photography and did lots of different types of photography, like most photographers do, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I started in, um, product and interior and, um, you know, it, it was, uh, interesting but when I when I kind of tasted the world of beauty photography I really I enjoyed um building something with a team and collaborating and mm. you know I I love that with um with your model every face I love that every face is different and you know it was kind of a it's always an interesting challenge when you shoot a beauty uh, shoot where how do you make this model you know look good with the makeup, the lighting, the concept, how do you work with your team well? And then with the product, I really like that. If you just don't want to talk to anyone, you can just <laughs> shut yourself away. Um, and, you know, you can spend a day in the studio just crafting an image with uh, beautiful lighting. And it's it's much more kind of graphic. And it it, it kind of goes back into my design days where mm. I, I do tend to produce more of these graphic images um so i I think i like both of them but probably beauty photography is something uh where i get a little bit more excited because every face is different um Mm. you know and the possibilities feel endless with that uh, which i love
0: that's really amazing like beauty and product are both such technical subjects mm. to photograph they require i think a lot more knowledge in lighting than anything else i think you can get away with a lot more and you shoot fashion where did mm-hmm. you actually learn to light all your imagery so
1: when i started um this is another very very random uh beginning i we met a friend who lived in berlin and she had just started her own interior company and she, we met her for dinner and she said, you know, she was looking for a photographer. Do I know anyone? And at this point I'd been shooting, my husband and I had, had set up a blog in Berlin um, just to kind of show people what was going on. And so I'd had about a year of just shooting, you know, outside and and you know making sure I kind of understood my camera and when she said she was looking for a photographer and I was like well you know I take photos um (laughs) you know kind of threw myself into the deep end um thinking that I could you know do product photography and I had two weeks to learn everything I could learn about product photography online and in books. Um, so I that first shoot that I did for, for her, um, you know, when I think back to it, I'm like, oh, I don't even want to see those photos. <laughs> you know, they. they um, I, I got through it. And, you know, a lot of photography is about uh, confidence. And, you know, with with clients, you kind of never want to show that you're sweating, uh, mm. that, you, you know, you might not be 100% sure on what you're doing. So I just... I blagged it um, and she really liked the photos and, and I started my journey into this interior product world. So that's where I kind of built up my lighting skills because mm. I was working with different products, reflections, mm. textures, and then I would shoot their interior campaigns. So then it was like, how do I bounce light inside of apartments? Mm. And and I mean, you know, it, it was a um, it was a case of me going online and buying books and trying to scour the internet and work out how to do these things because back then there wasn't I mean education and educators they were around but Mm. it wasn't as easy to find this information especially in interior um, and product I found you know lots of of stuff maybe on fashion portrait Mm -hmm. but this this world um of interior wasn't it was a bit more closed up so a lot of it was trial and error you know renting a light on the weekend testing it out um and and just really exploring lighting through through that doing um so that that was really an interesting kind of groundwork for me because what i found is when you understand lighting um and how to you know kind of forget about you know, uh, the brands of lighting and all that. It just look at the quality of light mm-hmm. and how do you modify it to get the results you want? And I did a lot of that with the product and interior. Then I could translate that through to people more mm-hmm. and I could then, you know, going into my beauty, I was like, well, I know how to create natural images because, you know, this person, I can just bounce the light into a, a corner of a wall and get really soft light. So mm-hmm. I think it was a really good way for me to, learn those skills um so I'm kind of grateful I had that that real uh yeah jump in the deep end yeah. and um just try and, and and discover as much about lighting as I could
0: and so for someone who maybe is listening to this and has never shot with flash or artificial light before or who's only done it a couple of times and doesn't really know how to do it or feels quite lacking in confidence what advice would you give them and where could they go these days to go and learn stuff so i mean
1: before you even get into the artificial light definitely master natural light so Mm. you know understand that the the natural light that you see you are basically replicating it with strobe or artificial light so Mm -hmm. work with hard light from the sun then work with soft light when the clouds are over the sun Um, and then using those kind of uh using the the things you discover with with that kind of um discovery (laughs) discover in that like project Mm -hmm. you can then rent one light and you know that's the thing you don't need to buy stuff rent one light for 20 euros a day with mm-hmm. one soft box and all you know all that softbox is doing is mimicking a cloudy a cloudy day depending on you know how much diffusion you put in there depending on if you take the diffusion off then it's mimicking the hard sunlight mm-hmm. so i think you have to keep it simple use one modifier and just trial and error and learn as much as you can about that you know move it close to the person or the product move it away from the product um and i I think when you're starting out you're thinking about like oh my god there's so many modifiers and this i'll (laughs) never understand this and you have to just really you know simplify and learn one thing at a time um regarding where you can you know kind of get resources i mean i i did learn a lot through um YouTube there is a lot of bad stuff on and I don't get me wrong you know and it does take trial and error but <laughs> it's all free which is good um so you know if you're on a budget then YouTube it does have a lot of great information on there if you have the time and dedication i mean when i was transitioning from from web design to photography i was doing my job i was doing a full time uh, job in web design and every evening and weekend i was learning whatever i could learn with the lighting yeah. um and i think that's you know, you have to be really dedicated to mm. learn and explore this. And if you're passionate about this, then you don't mind doing it. I think that was no. the case. So, you know, I I know there's websites like Creative Live. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there, there's lots of education platforms out there now where if you have the budget, you can you know pay um, either for the course, individual course that you like, or you can have subscriptions. But it's like anything. I think there's no one you know, one tutorial, one educator, mm-hmm. for everyone, you have to, you know, you have to do a lot of trial and error, find the people who you like. Um, and those are the people who, you know, if you like their teaching methods, then it might be worth investing in a, in a tutorial or, um, a course from those people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's lots of books out there as well. I, I, I learned a lot of my product photography, um, with a book which i'm gonna to have to google um <laughs> which mm-hmm. was you know it's a really old school book um about lighting and you know the photos and everything in there look terrible but <laughs> it's the principles the principles are all the same and um you know i think you, you there's lots of blog posts that will have you know the best books for learning lighting mm-hmm. so it's all out there definitely all out there it just might take you you know uh, a bit of a, a, a scouring of the internet. Yeah. The, oh yeah, the, the book, sorry, um, the book that I really loved, it's called Light, Science and Magic. So any product, okay. um, product photographers who want to know more about lighting products, that is a great book.
0: But yes. I will add that to the show notes for everyone to see that. And another oh, thing that I found recently is the ProPhoto America YouTube channel. They do oh. live streams um, once a week or something. And there's this one guy who works for ProPhoto. Does quite in-depth tutorials, often with models, not at the moment because of the, the pandemic, but they've yeah. in the past done pretty in-depth tutorials with people, which have been really amazing. If you could give one piece of advice about shooting beauty, what would it be?
1: So probably keep it simple. I mean, this could be this can be uh, something you can put through into lots of photography. Um, but if you if you are shooting beauty actually you don't need to do a lot of crazy things and i had this at the beginning i was so excited about you know oh i can use gels and i can do you know crazy makeup and then uh we can have a like weird uh wide angle and all this and then you realize that you know what actually can make a beautiful photo is just you connecting with the model having really simple beautiful lighting um and that can be it you know and the makeup often doesn't need to be crazy i mean i see a lot of beauty photographers or uh images out there and i'm just like you, you need to pull back mm-hmm. a lot um because you really don't need to go crazy when it comes to beauty photography and uh yeah i'm i'm kind of getting there now you know i'm because i i am a lighting nerd it's it's sometimes <laughs> it's easy for me to go like, oh oh i can do this setup and then i can add three lights and <laughs> and you know we can create this crazy effect and then i'm like you know what i, I just actually need to use one light and keep it really really simple and then that makes it really relaxed with the model you're not waiting for like you know if the lighting doesn't work when she turns her head um and then you can just connect with her and create beautiful simple photos so i think that's my advice
0: and do you have a go-to setup for your beauty photography i do not have a go-to
1: setup i (laughs) maybe
0: you know maybe in the
1: next year of me shooting more beauty um i would like to kind of maybe come down to a few different types of setups um you know one or two favorites but right now i i just love experimenting you know Mm. sometimes it's it's really fun to and you know keep yourself entertained as well if you're like okay i'm just going to create this fake sunlight in the in the studio or i'm going to just use natural light from the window and um, and also, a lot of beauty come uh, beauty photography. Sorry, comes with looking at the model and working out what suits that person. Yeah. So, I find that you can't just have one setup because guaranteed, if you if you love this hard lighting setup with this one model, you'll use it for the the, the next girl that comes in, and you're like, nope, this does not yeah. work at all. Uh, she suits a much softer, natural feeling. So, this is why I think it's great to have. A few different setups in your arsenal to cover, you know, different face types, different mm-hmm. moods, and often clients will say, you know, we want this kind of feeling and vibe. And I think um, being able to, you know, provide a few different looks always is going to help you with clients, especially.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's really helpful. Um, People, one of the things that people always want to know about, I get asked about it all the time. I know that everyone else gets asked about it all the time is how to get published in magazines. And you've worked for some amazing publications like Vogue Arabia and Harper's Bazaar Arabia and loads more. Like your website's got a massive list on there. Um, What advice do you have for photographers who would also love to get their work published? So, I mean,
1: I would, uh, magazines are often the bane of every
0: photographer's life
1: because you know they are really busy people um and you are trying to connect with someone who maybe it's really difficult to find emails um i mean what i would definitely recommend is make their job really easy. So for me, that means if I want to pitch a story to a magazine, I will always be looking at beauty trends because Mm -hmm. I want to create a shoot that hopefully would fit the content that they are looking for in upcoming Mm -hmm. magazines. You know, at the beginning, I would be shooting random shoots that I just really wanted to shoot. And then there is no point pitching that to a magazine because, you know, even if it's beautiful, if it doesn't fit with the content uh, and the stories that they are going to put in the magazines, it's not going to work. Mm. Um, I would really look at the magazine you're going for and look at the shoots that they are putting in the magazine. And you want to make sure that what you're creating is at the level or, or is at that level or better um, and is along the same theme. So for say example, Vogue Arabia, uh, I need to be using a model who is going to fit that market. Mm-hmm. There's no point sending a model no point shooting um, with a Asian girl for example if i'm going to pitch this story to vogue arabia and often photographers will they might you know hedge their bets and just send out a shoot to 20 magazines and i mean yeah the chances are or maybe you'll get one coming back to you but i think it's more uh strategic if you look at the magazines that you want to you want to be published in work out exactly what it is that makes that magazine them and find the model that fits get the makeup that fits exactly like with Vogue Arabia you I wanted something uh I need makeup that is more luxurious um more high you know more this high end feel because that's their market it's all mm-hmm. it, it's all in their market that I need to be looking at so really pinpoint what is the concept for this particular magazine what would they want Um, and then you know that's that's the uh, if you're pitching to the magazines then it's just okay I have to find the person Mm -hmm. who is going to uh, want this content so I'm always looking for the beauty editor um, you know cosmetics editors and um, it's some it's it's easier with the bigger magazines to find those Mm -hmm. people you can find them on instagram or linkedin um you can often work out their email if you find the name of the person then chances are the email is going to be uh you know first name full stop second name Mm -hmm. at con say condenast.com as an example i mean you have to really go sleuthing uh, yeah. and it might, it might take you a day of really scouring to find that right person and that email. But, but yeah, I think really look at who you want to, want to pitch these magazines to and, you know, approach them in a really friendly, professional way. Um, you know, I'm always, I mean, this is something that maybe when I was, uh, I learned this through my web design kind of work and I worked, uh, with, with lots of clients and brands and I've, I would always have to be in touch with clients and I think I'm very that's one thing I'm I think I'm pretty good at is uh communicating over mm-hmm. email and if you are professional friendly quick to respond people really appreciate it so yeah. they they have very little time magazine editors have little time so keep it short to the point um and ultimately it, you know if they love the editorial they're going to want it and you don't need to write a you know, a five-page story about it. It can be a couple of sentences about who you are, why you think this editorial is a great fit for the magazine, um, and that—that's it, really, for pitch for pitching. I would say that's you know a mm-hmm. good start.
0: Yeah. I mean, pitching is super in-depth. I don't know if you know this, but I have a whole course on pitching that I yes. sell. So it's it's a big topic and one I'm very <laughs> passionate about. So it's, you, you've you nailed it on the, on the head there. Like that's all this stuff you've just said is so valuable and everyone should be taking that on board. Do you do much submission work? Because I know that most people who start out do submissions i still do the occasional submission as well um and did you do you still do any of, have you done any before
1: yeah so you mean sub- submission in in is different to pitching you mean yes to
0: me- so submitting like the images you've already shot
1: to a magazine for example oh i see i see so yes if i really want to uh publish if i really want to be published in a magazine um and i have found the perfect model make a boss what sometimes what i would do is Um, if I contact them and no one responds sometimes I will just Mm -hmm. go ahead and do the shoot because Mm -hmm. I've got nothing to lose I want if the photos aren't published I'd still use them in my portfolio Um, and then you know once I have that shoot then absolutely I would try and submit it but I would always be um, you know I'm not submitting it to anyone and I have to be submitting it to a magazine or magazines that it fits with there's no point sending out you know a a submission to 40 magazines and and it doesn't really work unless it's a very I don't know a really broad topic but um for beauty you kind of always yeah need to know who is it going to go in um because yes submitting it you never you never know what will you know what will get in there my first um editorial in Vogue Arabia was a submission so I had created a, a shoot that I I wanted to get it into this magazine I didn't really know how to uh, pitch at that point. So this is probably three years ago, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, I've had the, had the model found the the makeup artist, um, and I knew this would be a really good uh, fit for them. So then, you know, I shot it, emailed the person, and they got back and were like, "We love it, yes." And and I was like, "What? Okay, that's mm-hmm. crazy." <laughs> but this is the thing with photographers: if you aren't pushing yourself out there, if you mm-hmm. aren't contacting companies, magazines, and and you know. i i I tell myself this a lot as well because it's easy to fall into the trap of just creating work it's scary to push yourself out Mm -hmm. there and the fear of rejection stops people from doing this but Mm -hmm. ultimately you have nothing to lose and if you do it in the right way so the fact that you have a course on this kind of stuff is amazing because there is a right and a wrong way Mm -hmm. and if you're doing this, you want the first impression to be really good and, uh, and your chances are so much more greater if you do it in the right way. But absolutely submit. Um, you know, if you have beautiful shoots, magazines need great content. So yeah. why not?
0: I think everyone worries that people are going to be mean. Like that's the biggest thing Mm, I hear from people. mm. They're terrified that they're going to get like a really mean response to their, like their pitch. Let's say someone sends a pitch Mm. and they're worried they're going to get someone reply and say their work is terrible. If there's anything I can say to people is that that is not the case. Everyone is like 99.9% of people are super nice. There's this myth that flies around that the fashion industry is really mean and, That's just not been my experience at all. Everyone I ever email is super nice. Even if they reply and say no, they're really kind about it and they'll never insult me or never tear me down.
1: I completely agreed. I've never had anyone kind of say, uh, don't email me ever again. No one has ever said that. And I mean, ultimately if anyone ever said anything negative, you know, I delete the email and I go on with my day and I don't mm-hmm. let it get me down because, you know, as photographers, as creatives, um, we can take things way too personally. And it is hard it, it, when you create, you know, you put so much energy into creating mm-hmm. your images, um and it can it can feel really personal if someone says like oh this is rubbish or i don't like it but you know we have to be able to take that on the chin and i'll always be open for constructive criticism Mm -hmm. you know from my my peers from people who i respect um but obviously if there are trolls out there or people nasty people you know what i i just move on ignore them and move on because um it, it should not let it shouldn't stop you Mm -hmm. achieving your goals and your dreams and the 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 big way of achieving those things is to get out there and do it and Mm -hmm. you know and keep creating and pushing because so many photographers give up or they stop because they are maybe they they take it too hard or because it is a lot it's a lot for you know we have to have so many hats on and Mm -hmm. we have to create and Retouch and manage a business and it is a lot and and so many people kind of give up on that but you have to always bring it back to you know every day I will learn something new here um and that's what you know even now after doing this for like six years I feel like I still learn I still learn things every day and and that drive to keep learning and getting better that's what keeps motivating me Mm -hmm. and and you know I hope it motivates your listeners to keep pushing and don't let someone else stop them achieving their goals and dreams.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I'm not going to add anything to that because you said it (laughs) perfectly. Um, What are some key things photographers need to look out for when they're shooting specifically editorials for magazines? Like, is there anything that Mm. you might not necessarily know about if you've never done it before?
1: I mean, with editorial work, the the main thing you have to keep in mind um, is giving variation and, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about things like where will text go? Where will the page crease go? Um, If you're doing landscape photos, you know, you really it's all about making clients lives um, as easy and as Mm -hmm. simple as possible. So for that, it's it's working, working out, you know, how can I give them variation on this one look and how Mm -hmm. can i you know maybe um for fashion it's like okay i'll do a standing i'll take like 10 shots of the standing okay got it now let's do a sitting okay Mm -hmm. got it now let's do her laughing and once you know you have that variation it's so much easier for for clients who are um, or yourself when you're creating an editorial to create a story so always always think about that variation and then yes think about where will the text go on this? And you know, if this is printed, will there be a, a logo, a header somewhere? So it's it's thinking about the final output of where mm-hmm. these images are going. Um, so it, it's a lot doing fashion. Um, it's, you know, it's it's super fun. And I, I, I've I been getting more into fashion in the last couple of years because my I really always thought I would be more in the fashion kind of world, but mm-hmm. um, I ended up, you know, being more of this techie nerd <laughs> and, and doing, doing more of, um, you know, the designing and, and, and then when I got into photography, I just didn't fashion is so much more complicated because you need good styling. And, mm-hmm. um, but when I do fashion, um, I really love it because you can really play and create a whole story from, you know, this, uh, this mood and concept with the, with the different poses And so, yeah, just always think about giving that variation. I think it's key.
0: Amazing advice. Um, Can we chat about your personal project? Because I saw on your website that you had a personal project called Child Free. Can you tell us what it is and why you started it?
1: So this is a portrait series. Um, I began maybe two years ago, maybe two years, two two years ago, sorry, um, Mm -hmm. was the concept. And this kind of came out through my own experience of, um, you know, I always felt that I didn't want children and I had no desire to have children. My husband also was the same as me, but you know, when it came down to uh, people's attitudes, I was always the person who would get the, uh, the weird remarks or, mm-hmm. you know, stra- strangers would ask me, um, oh, so why don't you have children? Or, and if I just said, I just, I just don't, I don't have any desire to have, to want them. Mm-hmm. I would get an attitude or, you know, it, it, it's this kind of um, treatment of women, um, that i didn 't really like, I mean, I think every woman should have the opportunity to have whatever life they want, whether that is with children um, or not and what i what kind of drives me dri- drove me to start that series was I hoped by shooting women who are just normal women who just Mm -hmm. have decided to not have children in their life um that and people could kind of read the stories behind each woman and see that the reasons why women decide not to have children are as varied and unusual and unique as women who decide to have children um Mm -hmm. some women have you know they have a terrible upbringing and they can't They don't want to maybe uh, repeat this cycle of abuse or Mm -hmm. some women, you know, they always knew from an early age. I think I had an inkling early on that, well, I never even thought about having children. So then when it came to like me being about 30 and I'd had, you know, people constantly asking me like, when am I going to have kids? When am I going to have kids? Mm -hmm. I kind of was like, you know what? I just, I I just don't see it in my life. There's, there's just, um, you know, and it's not to say that I don't even like children. My, um, my twin sister, uh, she had a baby two years ago. And, um, you know, when I saw him for the first time and, and my sister kind of saw me reacting with them, she was like, Oh my God, you're so great with him. Like, Mm -hmm. are you sure you don't want kids? And it's kind of that thinking that I, I hope that I can change because, Yeah, I think every woman should just be allowed to make their own decision, really. Um, So it's been super interesting. It's a really, I I really hope I can get back to it after, you know, all of this, the pandemic thing has, uh, it's stopped it for the time being. Um, and we were talking about maybe, uh, doing a podcast and and interviewing women over, you know, in different parts of the world. Um, because I guess I feel like I'm quite privileged. I get to decide I don't want children, but you know, there's, there's women in some parts of of the world that they don't even have a choice. You know, Mm -hmm. they, they have to have children and, um, and that really kind of
0: upsets me. So. So yeah that's basically it. (laughs) Do you think it's beneficial for photographers of any genre fashion beauty product interiors whatever it is to have some kind of personal project and do you ever get clients who talk to you about it or who say that it's sort of impacted their decision to hire you in any way?
1: So I mean I think it's really uh, important for photographers to have personal projects and that can be testing. So just creating images for your portfolio mm-hmm. um, or a personal project where you just really, a, you know, you want to concentrate on this one thing. Um, but I do think clients really like it because it shows that you have a passion for photography and, mm-hmm. you know, you're not just like a, a person who just uh, shoots uh, photos and just earns, earns money from it. And mm-hmm. uh, it's really a passion for you. Um, and it's a, it is a, it's a talking point. I mean, no client has ever said to me, they have, have decided to not book me because of that series. And mm-hmm. ultimately with, with photography and with a lot of freelancers and creatives, I think you just have to put yourself out there. Like you, you have to be, um, you know, completely yourself and unique. And because that is what makes you, um, the type of photographer that you are, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's millions of photographers out there. And if you try and just be an, uh, you know, like every other photographer, that's not anything different. So, you know, you put yourself out there, whoever you are, whatever you love, you create images in, you know, that speak to you and personal projects, I think show clients that this is who you are. And yeah, maybe some clients don't like that. Fine. There are other people who will like mm-hmm. that. Um, so I think it is important. Um, obviously when time permits, I mean, that's always the, the thing mm-hmm. is, how do I fit all of this in? There's a lot for <laughs> photographers. You know, when you're starting out, you, you have uh, 20 different, you know, things to be doing. You know, you're like you're doing your accounting and and you're trying to edit all your own photos. And I, I mean, e- even now, I mean, it's, it's the, a lot of hats you wear. But I do think if you can try and make time for personal projects, I think it does. It benefits you and it benefits your portfolio and clients do love it.
0: Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. I personally shoot. Normally I test at least once a week if I can. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just, it just keeps me sane. It keeps me happy. It gives me something to share with clients, with potential clients Mm with magazines. Um, and importantly share on social media as well. It means Mm -hmm. I have something to post all the time that's fresh and new. So I, I love having my own personal projects.
1: Yeah, I mean, the social media you bring up, that is a really important factor in our world now. Mm. I mean, you know, photographers, I know of uh, clients or agencies that have picked photographers off of how many social media followers they have. And I know that's, yeah, and it is depressing, it is. Um, And, you know, what I would say is that you can't, spend you know all of your time on social media but you can't neglect it either and you know you don't have to have thousands and hundreds of thousands of thousands of followers but you do like you said have to be um you know posting reasonably regularly so that you're you know um, you're looking like someone who is passionate about this who Mm -hmm. is pushing their skills and you know the good thing is every test shoot you do learn something and um, I mean when I look back even even six months ago you know I look back at my work and I see a progression if you shoot regularly Mm -hmm. you see how much you move forward and that's the great That's the great thing with testing. You learn and you build um, into your vision, which is another thing that, you know, photographers are always asking me, like, how do I find my vision, my style? (laughs) Um, And and really, I mean, I I still don't even know if I'm there yet. You know, I don't know if anyone does ever feel like they're there yet with that, but you get nearer to that by shooting and shooting what you love Mm -hmm. um so definitely anyone
0: listening get out get you know when we can get back to shooting get get that test shoot organized (laughs) absolutely like like obviously we can't shoot right now and this will be going out next week so everyone will probably still be in a sort of similar lockdown situation and um all i'm doing at the moment is sitting on pinterest and i'm making mood boards and for me that is as much part of the process. And it's helping me to stay in touch with my vision and what my style is and who I am as an artist and almost tap into it even more. Like I'm able to get even clearer at the moment as to what I want to be going, you know, when this is all over, Mm -hmm. what messages do I wanna be putting out there? What do I want my work to look like? I've really got the time now to step back and think about who I am as an artist. And that's been really beneficial actually.
1: I mean definitely this is the one good thing about this time that we have right now we all of those jobs that you never had time for you never wanted to sit down and do because you always just wanted to get out there shoot now we can actually really go inside of ourselves and go okay you know what do I want to be shooting you know Mm -hmm. who are those clients go and research and and get a massive spreadsheet of you know all of your dream clients and what kind of mood board would I would I shoot for this client and Um, And we can really start to uh, research and develop and do all of that that time and effort into creating really special and unique shoots. And sometimes when I'm busy with commercial work and then testing, it just is like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll do a test on the weekend and I don't Mm -hmm. have any time to think about, what is the concept? What is the, you know, what is going to make this really special and unique? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yes, I learned from it, but I, I think now is the time where you can really go, okay, how can I make this shit even more special? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, because a lot of the time, I feel like the, the images that are the most successful are the ones that I took the time to yep. build out that concept and build out, you know, who is this model? And mm-hmm. what is, what is her, what is she feeling on this day? And what props do I want? Um, and like what will the color grading be and all of these little things that actually build up to create unusual and unique and um, you know truly your vision uh, now we have the time to do that so uh, I'm keeping myself very busy with all of that kind of stuff Um, you know and I I understand that not everyone is in that mood to to do that it's a really Mm -hmm. weird time so you know we just have to kind of do what we can to keep ourselves um, safe and, and healthy. And, you know, if you're feeling motivated, spend, you know, a few hours on your, on Pinterest and, mm-hmm. and try Cause I feel like once you get started in some of these things, then it keeps pushing you. And, yeah. but it, it's, it's always that first step. Taking that first step is always the hardest. Yeah. Um, but but once you do it, it really can pull you along into, Ooh, now I'm going down a rabbit hole into, uh, yeah. you know, black leather uh liquids and and all of these kinds of different things that i can bring into a shoot so so yeah hopefully we can use a little bit of the time and and uh look at you know what can we do when when all this is done
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: get really hit
0: the hit the road hit the ground running i guess exactly that's so exciting Mm -hmm. um you're about to launch an education platform of your own so can you tell us a little bit about that and what people can expect to learn from you Yeah.
1: I mean, when I was, you know, teaching myself all of these things and I, I kind of, I I was getting really frustrated. I'm sure everyone, you know, does this, like I said, with YouTube, you, you go through 20 horrible tutorials and you find (laughs) one and then you're like, okay, that's one great. What about the next one? Um, so I think, you know, I realized how much I enjoyed this teaching aspect when I was shooting, people would always say, you know, you know, wow, you love lighting. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and I did a few uh, commercial workshops for brands who wanted to, you know, uh, especially for the interior, I had a lot of um, people who said, can you come in and show our team how to light this or how to retouch this, mm-hmm. um, and I I was like, oh God, what I, I, I do I really know what what I'm doing with this? And I realized <laughs> that I I did because I taken the time to learn everything I could possibly learn, yeah. um, and I'm a a real nerd for for learning the right way, you know. With retouching, I didn't want to just do the quick fixes and mm-hmm. the, the the filters and the frequency separation. I wanted to know who the industry and they're retouching for big clients what methods are they using to Mm -hmm. get these beautiful results and i was never happy until i worked (laughs) out those results and the same with the lighting i mean you know i uh, some tutorials you would see are uh, really helpful some aren't so this platform is about kind of giving back to the community i was able to learn everything i could learn through generous people who gave Mm -hmm. their knowledge and expertise and now i want to Give, give that back to people and hopefully, you know, give it back in a simple kind of way that they can digest. I mean, I, I started a YouTube channel a few years ago and the tutorials that I put on there seem to do really well. Um, and I realized that actually people respond super well if you are clear, concise mm-hmm. and you just give them good content. Like the, there is no crazy formula for YouTube if you no. do, those, do those things um you know people respond to it but obviously on YouTube there's a lot of not of that going on. Um so I created the platform and I'm right now it's being built up and the first course that I would launch would be a retouching series. Um because you know for beauty retouching is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see a lot of bad retouching and that <laughs> a lot of it is not down to you know anyone's fault other than they've looked on YouTube and they found bad tutorials. And yeah. I fell into that trap at the beginning as well um so this course so did was, I. yeah and I mean we all do because you're yeah. like okay um how do I learn these techniques okay I can find them here and then you assume this is the right way to do it mm-hmm. um but it's it's after years of doing this that I've worked out the, the methods that don't destroy t- skin texture that you know there is a workflow that I use which is um, flexible. If clients want to change things, it's mm-hmm. you know not about flattening layers. Mm-hmm. So it's it's yeah, it's something that I'm I'm really excited to share because ultimately I want people to take better photos. You know that mm-hmm. my goal is people like have passion for this craft, which is such a, an amazing craft, um, and create better photos because we see a lot of bad images with you know social media. With yeah. we, we do sadly. Um, and I want to kind of I want to help people, you know, make better photos um, and not get frustrated with that process as well. So that's the first course, a retouching course, because I can't shoot. <laughs> so yeah. when I can get back to shooting, then I will do it, um, you know, probably do my a beauty lighting course but um, you know retouching series is the one that I can do so I'm I'm working on that now
0: (laughs) amazing oh I'm very excited to see when that comes out because I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic your imagery is beautiful and your retouching is amazing and I've seen your YouTube tutorials and they are great they are definitely not the bad ones (laughs) (laughs) yay thank you (laughs) Um, where can everyone stay in touch with you right now
1: so on my Instagram and social media um, it's at zoe no photo um, my uh, education website that right now there's a, a coming soon page so if you want to you know be first to know when it goes live then there's a, a newsletter uh, subscription on there so you can um, enter your details for that so that is zoe Noble.education. um and my portfolio if you want to check out some of my work is zoe noble.com so you can find me on all of those
0: thank you so much zoe
1: no it's been great this is fun to have other humans to interact with while we're all in quarantine so i've really enjoyed it thank you
0: olivia there we go that's the end of the episode isn't she amazing i just think she is so inspiring and shared so much valuable knowledge and was just so happy to help which is such a nice feeling This is the last episode of season two, like I mentioned at the start of the episode, so please don't forget to go and leave a review on the Apple Podcasts app for a chance to be entered into my giveaway for free coaching, and if you'd like to stay in touch with me and keep tabs on what's going on with my world and how I can help you further, then make sure you sign up to my newsletter. You can do so via the show notes in the episode, or just head to oliviabosserteducation.com. I will see you in season 3 very soon, and maybe a couple of bonus episodes in between. Okay, I'll see you soon. Bye!